Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. At some point or another, you probably found yourself acting with another person's thoughts or feelings in your mind. This is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a part of being human. But sometimes it's hard to know whether we are acting out of empathy or if we are being people pleasers. So today, our topic is empathy versus people pleasing. My guest today is Nicole Donling. Nicole is a fourth generation entrepreneur, mom of two girls, and fierce advocate for small business manufacturers. A founder of DMG Digital, a HubSpot partner, Nicole and her team help small manufacturers build a digital self-serve experience that attracts new customers. She offers website strategy, content marketing, and HubSpot onboarding services that give small manufacturers the fresh start they need to accelerate online growth and scale their sales team. When Nicole isn't building her business, she could be found volunteering with her church, traveling around the world with her family, reading, dancing in her living room, or belting out show tunes when no one is listening. I knew right when I met her that she just simply had the it factor. So I had to have her on as my guest today. Welcome to the show, Nicole. It is so great to have you on today. Wow, Andrew, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. It's really my honor to have this conversation today. And I think ever since I met you, there's just such a connection. You just lead with your heart. And I really identify with that because I feel like I'm the same way in so many ways. That's my just natural MO, if you will, is to lead with my heart. I don't know how to do it any other way. And I I could feel and sense that right away. So it's just such a pleasure to be on your show and to have this wonderful conversation. I think this is such a great topic. I can't wait to dive into it with you. Me too. I can't wait as well. How are things with you? What's new? What's going on in your world? Oh, man, just trying to build a business. You know, that's what's new in my world is just making sure we've got product market fit and making sure the team is all really well cohesive and collaborating and that our clients are successful. So I feel like that's my my biggest thing right now is how can I just hit it out of the park for my clients and help set this team up for success. So yeah, that's what and then it's back to school. My kids are starting school soon. So this weekend is all about back to school shopping and making sure they've got everything they need. You know how that is I don't know it doesn't seem that long ago when I was in school and I had I would go back to school shopping so it's a busy busy weekend in the Donnelly house And I'm sure that they are just absolutely thrilled that it's back to school that they got to go shopping today Oh yes you yeah. there's no doubt so <laughs> yeah. having to go and try on clothes and stuff like that I'm sure they're not too thrilled about it at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Considering they're girls they are like over the moon just can't wait Oh, well, that's good. That's Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that things are going well and that the back-to-school shopping is underway, so that's awesome. Before we begin, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours? Ooh, I'm bracing myself. I'm ready. ready. (laughs) Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So your question today is, is cereal soup? Why or why not? (laughs) <laughs> ah, it's cereal soup 
Oh my gosh. Ooh. So immediately I would say, no, cereal is not soup. And here's the reason why. Soup is savory most of the time. Or at least it has a savory element to it. So you may have like a pumpkin soup or something like that that may have a little bit of sweetness to it. But in general, soup is a savory, hot item. And so cereal could never be soup because it's usually sweet and it's usually cold. So I would say, no, cereal is not soup. They're two very different things. Well, you know what? I am actually going to give you kudos on that one because when I was putting that one together yesterday, I was killing myself laughing. What kind of answer you were going to give? And this answer was not knowing what the question was going to be ahead of time. Your thought of this answer was pretty point on, I would have to say. Oh, well, thank you. Considering I didn't have much time to think about it. <laughs> exactly. You were just yeah. spot on. You were like, wow. And the comparison, that was pretty good. <laughs> I'm glad I passed the test. My gosh. That's a great question. I've never in my whole life been asked that question. So I love that. That is so fun. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having fun. It's something that I enjoy doing during my podcast to get them going. So I definitely love it. And I definitely love to hear any answers from my guests. So you did a great job. Thanks so much. Awesome. Cool. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you and your story? Ooh, me and my story. Sheesh, it all started many, many years ago when I was born in Houston, Texas, in a little place called Sugarland. No. <laughs> I was a yellow rose of Texas for five years before I moved to California. I grew up in California. I would say you can take the girl out of California, but you can never take the California out of the girl. It's still very much a part of who I am. Just that airy, laid back, open-minded energy that you find when you go to California. Just the openness, the flexibility, all of that. I haven't lived in California since I was 17. So I've, I've lived outside of that state more than I lived in it. But I still feel very much that it's completely shaped who I am and how I show up every day to my team and to my clients because of that experience. And a little bit about me, I love people and I love to make people happy. I think that's one of the core things that just drives me is how can I bring my clients satisfaction? How can I serve them so that their customers are just having a killer, amazing customer experience? And how can I create and foster a team who is just thriving and finding fulfillment and purpose in what they're doing every day? That it's not just a job that they clock in and clock out, that they feel like they're contributing, that they're growing, that they have opportunities to learn, that they're being challenged in the way that they want to be challenged and they have ownership over what they're doing. That drives me. I just want to cultivate a, a really solid culture that's just really focused on leading with purpose and helping the team create that. And I think that all started for me when I was in high school. So you mentioned that I, I have a very long history of entrepreneurship in my family. My father built a very successful eight-figure business. My, my grandfather on my mother's side also built a very successful, completely separate businesses. And then my great-grandfather on my mom's side also built another very successful oil company. So I have this very long lineage of 
very strong male entrepreneurs. And then I discovered, interestingly enough, Andrew, when I was doing, I love learning about my family history. It's, it's fascinating to me. And I discovered that I actually have an ancestor, a woman. Her name was Sophie, and she was from Denmark. And she lived in the 1800s. And I'm not kidding you. She owned her own deli and bakery. And when I learned that, I learned that like maybe four or five months ago. And I always had this dream. I wanted to be the first woman in my family to own a business. And I realized I could never make that happen because there's already somebody that has accomplished that. And I, I, I love reading about her story because she loved her business. And she used to cater for the king of Denmark at the time, which is just so cool and fascinating. So Anyway, I'm, I'm like going down a rabbit hole. So entrepreneurship is just so important to me. I've seen how small businesses lift families, communities, and I just love being a part of that. And when I was in high school, I worked at my grandfather's motel that he owned. It was right across the street from Disneyland in Anaheim, California. And I had the honor and privilege of working there. And it was such a treat to watch these people come in the doors of the hotel and check in. This is their first time at Disneyland. They've saved up. This is like their big trip. They for years to come to Disneyland and to be able to, I worked at the front desk and to be able to see just the joy and the anticipation on their faces when they would come in and knowing that I got to be a part of that experience and creating a wonderful, memorable experience for them and seeing that my grandfather was able to create something that brought so much joy to them was just something that was really exciting to me. So I, I realized at that age, I was like, man, I just love this. Wherever I go, whatever I do in my life, I want to be part of cultivating and creating an awesome customer experience for people. And I want to be able to celebrate entrepreneurship as I do it. So I would say that's a little bit of my background. And because it's always been a dream of mine to own a business, I'm super excited that now for almost four years now, I own a digital marketing agency, DMG Digital, and just so excited to be part of a cool team. And we have amazing clients who are doing and making really cool stuff in manufacturing. And it's just super fun to help them stop being the best kept secret and get their products and their amazing brand out there. So that's the long answer, Andrew. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. I love that story. I, I think that's such an awesome story. There are so many golden nuggets there that just caught my attention. First of all, mentioning Disneyland, my first thought is, well, they say it's the happiest place on earth. So I can see why people coming there would be so happy to be coming to stay in your hotel because they know what they're in for and they're so excited about it. Yes. The other thing that I love is that when you said leading with purpose, I think that is amazing. And you say that you love people and you love to work with your employees and you love to work with your customers. And I really feel like being a leader like that or leading with purpose, it goes a long way because you're showing your customers that you care and you're showing your employees that you care as well. And that whole full circle of activity can only grow whatever you're trying to do as far as a career. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So I just <laughs> I just love just love all of that. Thank you so much for that story and yeah, thank you. I loved how you started off that you're going to go back to the later days that you like to walk on the beach and stuff like that. That was pretty <laughs> yes. good. I liked it. <laughs> a little bit of oh. comedy in there. I loved it. Yep. I love long walks on the beach. Who doesn't, man? Who doesn't? Absolutely. Yeah. So explain to us what the difference is between empathy and people pleasing. Oh, this is such a great question. It's something that I've been exploring a lot because I'm going to admit something to you, Andrew. Sure. I am a recovering people pleaser. Oh. 
I I have this is something that I'm consciously intentionally aware of and I I have a tendency to want to please people. I mentioned that in my intro that I just love people to be happy. And I've been on this journey for a couple of years now as I've been in this business really trying to understand what is the difference between people pleasing and empathy. And I think there are some really core distinctions between these two things. And here's what I'd say. So when you're people pleasing, your whole goal is, I just want to make this other person happy. You just want to make them happy. You don't want there to be any waves. You don't want to create any conflict or discomfort for them. Okay. And so what this looks like in the workplace for me, from my experience is you're abdicating responsibility. You're ignoring conflict or problems because you're worried about how someone's going to feel. You're oversharing. I think that's a big challenge, especially as leaders. You have to be very careful that you create a boundary with your team that you're not sharing too much information. Mm -hmm not setting boundaries. You have to be able to allow your team members to vent and complain, but there needs to be a discussion of solution to the problems. So there needs to be some boundary setting to say, here's a problem, but let's focus on how we're going to solve it rather than just complaining or venting just to complain. So setting clear boundaries there. Another thing I would say that happens a lot with people pleasing is downplaying the seriousness of a problem, blowing it off and be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal because you don't want to upset the other person. Or this, I, I think, is another core people-pleasing problem is fixing the problem for the team member by doing the work for them or inserting yourself because you want them to be happy. You want it to, you don't want them to, you don't want to create a situation where there's discomfort for them or protecting team members from difficult feedback, withholding critical information because you're concerned maybe they can't handle it or lack of follow-through or accountability on project work for the sake of sparing feelings. So for me, these are all examples of things I've seen, I've experienced, I've struggled with personally in the past as a leader with addressing and becoming aware of that are true people-pleasing situations. Empathy, I think people have this idea of empathy that it's just like fluffy bunny rainbows. Empathy is very much understanding and seeing a person, who they are, what motivates them, understanding what they love, understanding what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, all of that. It's so beautiful. But when you have empathy for someone, it also means you love them so much that you're willing to take them to an uncomfortable place if it means it's going to help them grow, if it means it's going to challenge them to find pathways of self-discovery that's going to help them find their purpose or lean into a problem and learn how to figure it out themselves. So empathy is very much, I'm going to hold your hand, I'm going to be there for you, but I'm not going to do it for you. I'm going to help you figure out what you need to do in the situation. I'm not going to tell you what needs to be done or take away all of the problems for you so that you don't have to experience them. I'm going to be here beside you. I understand you and I'm going to help you support you so that you can overcome these challenges on your own without me removing any barriers for you. So like for me, this looks like listening so that you can really understand and help position this person in the right place in the organization so they can grow. Not just saying, well, this is what I hired you for. So this is what you're going to be doing. No, it's really understanding them at their core so that they're in the right place. That's going to be a win for everyone. Giving them honest and sometimes tough feedback because you believe in them. And so sometimes I got to be honest, I said, and I had a situation recently with a team member who, let's just say the expectations of weren't being met for what needed to happen. Okay. There were some very clear expectations. We had clear deliverables that needed to be given to the client and those deliverables were not going out on schedule the way that they needed to be. And this person was just a gem of a person, great, wonderful person. But in this situation, I had to have empathy for her to be able to say, look, 
these are the expectations and they're not being met, what needs to change? And instead of me telling her, this is what needs to happen, I just was very clear with her to say, here's the honest and tough feedback. We have an expectation here. This is what our contract says. This is what we need to deliver to the client. Okay. How are we going to get there? What do you think needs to change? I'm giving you this feedback because I believe in you. And I know that we can figure out a way forward. I know that you can do it. So you have to like, when you're giving honest and sometimes tough feedback, you do have to say, the reason I'm giving you this feedback is because I believe in you. I know that you can come up with a solution. I know that we can find a way together. And me withholding the feedback from them doesn't give them the respect to be able to figure that out together. And what was interesting about the situation, she totally owned up to it and she ended up self selecting for herself that it wasn't a fit for her. I didn't have to tell her it wasn't a fit. I didn't have to have that difficult conversation where I was like, this really isn't working. She took the feedback and she took it away and and had some time to reflect on it. And she came back to me and said, you know, Nicole, I really just don't think this is the right fit for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, she was the one that took ownership over that. I didn't have to be the one to do it. To me, that's empathy. And someone might hearing this might think, well, that doesn't sound like, but it really is being able to get comfortable with the discomfort. Things like facing hard truths for the sake of long-term success and personal development. Another thing I think about empathy is just asking a lot of questions, more questions than you're answering. It's all about like helping them come to the solution on their own for themselves. But another thing that I think really helps cultivate empathy is just Really, as leaders, making time, spending time with your team members. I think so much of the time lately, everyone talks about how we have so many meetings today and it's just meeting overload and all of that. Well, the reality is more and more of us are working remotely. And when you're working remotely, there is a physical barrier that separates you from your team members that didn't exist before when we all worked in a workplace physically together. And there's something to be said for having FaceTime with your team. So I am a huge proponent, especially if you're working remotely, you have to be very intentional about making time with your team members and scheduling meeting times with them and not just to just talk about work or projects, but literally making time to just get to know each. Some of the things we do with the team is we'll have these calls together and we call them culture meetings and we'll actually do fun little exercises where it's like get to know you quizzes. Everybody has to answer questions and then they'll guess whose answers, whose, so we can all kind of get to know each other and just making time for play, I think is really important in building empathy and building those connections is how can we play together as a team? And yeah, so I I could go on and on. I can go on and on, Andrew. (laughs) No, I love that. I I just love everything that you said there. There's so many things to dig into, so many golden nuggets. The things that kind of come at me is when you're saying people pleasing, you're right. Your first thought is you want to talk to them or you're scared to approach the problem. So you kind of like, oh, it's going to be okay. Or you just do something or your friends want to go to this restaurant and you really don't like that restaurant because there's nothing really on the menu that you enjoy. But you go anyways because they're all your friends and you enjoy them. So you go to that restaurant. So that's my thoughts there. And then you're saying empathy. One thing that caught my attention was listening. I think a lot of leaders don't have the ability to just listen. I believe that there needs to be a solution made. But there are times where there is no need for a solution. I have a story that I heard way back where this person was working for this company and she was going through a rough 
patch and she was just dealing with some mental health and she just couldn't figure out what it was, but she was just down. And there was two supervisors that she has under her. What she went to, then they said to her, well, whatever it is, go have a walk, walk it off and get back to work. And then she went to the other leader and they said to her, okay, sit down. And he asked her what's happening. She said, what's going on? And then he turned to her and said, what do you need from me? Do you need us to sit there and figure it out? Do you need a hug? Do you need me to listen? What do you need from me? What can I offer you? So I love when you said we always try to figure stuff out. There are some cases where nothing needs to be figured out. They just need somebody to talk to. They don't need a solution. They just need to get whatever's there off of their chest. Doesn't mean that it's going to be fixed right away. But just somebody that's going to listen to them is a vital part of, for me, being empathetic. I love that. I actually have an example of that in my career when I was a lot younger and I had just started a new job. And this was like my dream job at the time, Andrew. Like it was a stretch for me. I think I was definitely underqualified for the job when I got it. And I was just like kicking like and screaming and so excited I got this job. It was amazing. And within the first month, they assigned me to an account that was a huge account, multi-million dollar account. And I was the project manager for this account. And I remember within the first month, the relationship with this client was already kind of rocky before I even got there. And I was so green. I hadn't learned how to communicate very well. I was only out of college for two years at this point. It was my first time doing a client facing role in my career. And so I was just green. I didn't really know what I was. I was just learning. And I remember my boss and I were working on a problem with this particular project. And she's like, okay, we'll just send them an email and explain to them why we, we are not able to do. They had requested something and it was something that we couldn't really do. So I sent this email and it was just so poorly received by the client. They were just up in arms about what I wrote to them to the point where they felt like I was being discriminatory. And I was just beside myself, Andrew. I, I remember when it all came out and they just expressed such, I don't remember how they let me know that they were upset, but they let me know they were very upset. And I was just as someone who just cares so much about really doing a great job and really helping my clients. I was just beside myself. I remember I was in tears and I, go, I went into my boss's office, I'll never forget. And I was in tears sitting there in front of her desk. And I said, I just want to make this right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about this. And she listened to me and she didn't try to fix it. And at that point, I was a new, like it was, it was within my 90 day window. They could have said, this is a too big of an account. We're going to pull you off the account. We're going to give you another account or whatever. She didn't do that. She just listened to me. She saw me when I was sitting there. She just saw me and listened to me and she stood by me. So I love everything you just said there. I'm so glad that you mentioned that and pointed that out because I think you're absolutely right. And sometimes we do just need someone to listen and to hear us and to see us without trying to come up with a solution or feeling pressure like we need to have a solution in hand. So thanks, Andrew. You're welcome. I always say seen, heard, valued, and understood. That's my yeah. one of my models. And I think if you can work for an organization that sees you, hears you, values you, and understands you, then I think you're in a good spot for sure. Yeah. What are some of the hidden truths about empathy and people pleasing? Ooh, empathy starts with self-compassion. Yeah. Empathy starts with self-compassion. People-pleasing 
if you're in a people-pleasing mode, there's usually a lack of self-compassion and self-respect. So I would say that is the core. If you really want to lean into being more empathy, you have to look inside of yourself and really consciously and intentionally foster and cultivate compassion for yourself first. I think if you have more compassion for yourself and you're willing to forgive yourself for your own weaknesses, challenges, mishaps, then it's so much easier for you to grant that same grace and compassion to people outside of you. So I think it starts with self-compassion. And I would say for someone who struggles with people-pleasing as I have, a lot of that is because your internal voice is just, you're not valuing who you are, what your voice is. Maybe you don't even know what your voice is, to be honest. You're trying to understand what you need, what you want to say, what you're feeling, and you're struggling to understand who you are at your core and what you need and giving yourself that self-compassion. And I've been on this journey, so I'm living it. But I think when you're trying to people please, there's not enough compassion for yourself, enough understanding of who you are and what you need to be able to give that respect to someone else, to be able to let them handle discomfort, that kind of a thing. So that's what I'd say. I'd say it starts with self-compassion. Yep. I totally agree with you. And I would add to that, as far as empathy goes, a little bit of vulnerability, I think, too, by just being vulnerable. If you're having a bad day, don't go into your office and just close your door because then your employees will wonder what's going on, what's happening, is everything okay? Just let them know, I'm having a bad morning. Just give me 15, 20 minutes (laughs) in my office to re- focus, do some paperwork, fix what I need to fix, and then I will be open to having any discussions that need to be had today. But I just need that 10-15 minute window on my own. And I think people will look at that and know there's vulnerability and self-compassion and they're being compassionate to their employees. And I think it's going to be greatly appreciated. I love that. I had an experience with my team probably three or four months ago and I was having a rough day. It was a rough day. I don't even remember specifically the details, Andrew, but there was a client situation that had happened and I was really doubting myself. I was doubting myself as a leader. I was doubting myself and my competence and my ability to solve this problem. I I think at the time it was like multiple problems, if I'm being honest. And I just felt like I was weighed down with all these problems and sitting there like, how am I going to solve these problems? And I felt truthfully overwhelmed and I felt imposter syndrome. And I remember I had to get on a call with the team. We had a team meeting and I was just like, oh man, this has been a rough day and I am just not feeling it today. I'm feeling low. And I could have got on that call and just put on my happy face and been like, hi team, how's it going? How's everyone doing today? But I was just not feeling it, Andrew. I got on that call and I, I was just like, team, I just have to let you know I'm having a hard day today and I'm struggling a little bit with imposter syndrome And I'm just letting you know, it's a hard day. I'm going to figure it out. But right now, it kind of sucks. And they totally stepped up and were there for me in a really huge way. And I was grateful because for me, I felt like we connected as a team. And they heard me, they understood me, and they were there for me and supportive. And I think as leaders, the more we can model that for them, the more it's just going to cultivate them to have empathy for themselves and others. There's that trust and respect factor. So you, yeah. there's trust and respect between you and your team and there is respect between you and your team. So when you have that, your team is going to go through a wall for you when you have that, for sure. 
Yeah, you know, you, you make a good point there about respect. I think a lot of times as leaders, we're afraid to be vulnerable because we worry we're going to lose the respect of the team. And I think the reality is that the more vulnerable that you are, the more trust you're building with the people that you're working with. And if they trust you, they respect you. So I just think that we have to change our idea of what respect is and how respect is earned. It's earned through trust building. And then the greatest way to earn trust is by fostering vulnerability. That's what builds trust. That's why I trust my closest family members is because they've seen me at my most vulnerable and they're still there and they still love me. <laughs> sure. It's your values, right? It's what you value in yourself and what your team values in you and what you value in your team. So it all goes hand in hand for sure, for sure. Would you say that leaders today have more empathy or are they more people pleasers? This is a great question. I got to be honest, and this question stumped me. I, I got to be honest. I was thinking about this and I was like, geez, I don't know. Truthfully, if I think about my own experience with the leaders that I've had the honor of serving under, a lot of times it was neither, to be honest. Sometimes there was a lack of empathy. And I think one of the things that happens is the further that the leadership team gets away from frontline employees and the further they get away from understanding what the challenges are of frontline employees and the more you're looking at the bigger picture financials as executives of an organization, right? That's what's top of mind for you is, is the company profitable? Are we financially solvent? All of those things. Though The executive team is responsible for really paying close attention to the health, the overall health of the business. And sometimes I think what happens naturally is that as the leadership team, as a company grows and the leadership team is more focused on some of those higher level, they're, they're separate, they're further away from the frontline cus customer situations that are happening with employees. Right. And I think as leaders, you have to be very intentional about making sure that you're staying close to your frontline employees and to what's happening with customers and the interactions that are happening there. Because it's hard. You will naturally want to gravitate towards those bigger problems because that's your role in the organization. So you really have to intentionally do that. So I, I would say if as a leader, if you want to maintain that empathy or, you know, because the thing is like, I think what I'm saying is that even the most naturally empathetic, kind people who become leaders are naturally going to be gravitating towards and away from the frontline situation because of the nature of the structure of business. That's why you have to really make it a practice to go back, to make time to talk to your frontline employees and really listen, to make time to talk to your customers and really listen to what their experience is right. and stay close and, and build that into your business model so that as leaders, you're listening and understanding. Because I think the more that you truly listen to understand then you're going to foster more empathy across the board. Your team's going to feel that from you, that you're really listening to them, that they feel heard. Right. And when they feel heard, they will walk on water. Mm -hmm. They will walk on water for you. They sure will. They sure will. I think that a lot of leaders today are gravitating towards the empathy, but I yeah. do feel that there are, from what I hear, a lot of situations where so, for example, you're working for a company and the manager comes to you, Nicole, and says, hey, Nicole, 
you do really good at your job. You're good at the processes. You understand how everything's going. We're going to put you in a managerial position here and <laughs> you're going to manage people. So now you're in a management position. And like we were talking about earlier, people are coming to you with all different things. They can't understand processes or they don't understand how to do something on the computer or yeah. they need somebody to talk to. It's okay to take that person it's okay to take you, Nicole, and say, okay, we're going to put you in a managerial position. But you need to say, after that's done, you can't just wipe your hands and say, okay, you're there, do the job. You have to make sure that they have everything that they need and they have the proper training in order to do the job. Because if they don't know how to train somebody, Anybody can go through a system and go, okay, just go here, do this, click here, click right, do the that. But if they don't have the know-how to sit down and say, okay, so when you're going into this program, you want to go here. So we're going to follow the steps and we're going to go through the steps all together. That's the proper way to train somebody, not just say click here, click there, click there. Because a lot of people are going to be like, huh? What do you mean? So it's something that I see a lot today and I think it's okay. And then you get into a situation where because these people are put in a position of management and they don't know how to manage properly, well, now they're going into a situation where they're not getting along with their employees or there's arguments, what have you, and then the atmosphere is not the greatest or conducive or productive. So that's when people start leaving because it's not what they want. So I think we need to make sure that when you're putting somebody in there, don't just throw somebody a bone and say, good luck. <laughs> give, give every person that you put in a manager's position or director position, make sure that they have all the tools necessary for them to succeed and if they don't have all the tools you better make sure that you get them the training that they need so that they have the tools to be successful you're absolutely right andrew and you know what it's so interestingly surprising how that doesn't happen i mean i've been in i've been working now for my over 20 years I have never, in all the leadership roles that I've been in or that I've seen people get, get put into, there's never a formal training program. Never. And you're absolutely right. There's a very clear difference between being an individual contributor and managing someone. It's a very completely different skill set. Utterly different. And there are people that are naturally leaders. They're just naturally inclined that way. But that doesn't mean that it can't be learned. And I, I fully believe anyone can be a great, wonderful leader if they receive the right training and that they that the leadership team invests in that. There's not it's not like this gene. You're the leader gene. So we're just gonna no, I think everybody who everybody can be a great leader and to intentionally create training for people so that they can be successful. Cause I've been in situations where I've seen Sheesh, I've seen people get promoted to leadership positions and it just doesn't go well. And 
the people underneath them are just so unhappy. They're disgruntled. They're resentful. They feel like they're not heard. Their their boss doesn't understand them. They're not set up for success. And there's the communication breakdown. And it's just, <laughs> I sit there and I, I've, I've so many times I've seen it, heard it from employees. And I just, you're, I can't echo everything you're saying enough. And it's, it's really, it's not rocket science. It's not, <laughs> just create a training program that helps people learn soft skills. And then I think as leaders, you need to make time when you have, when you've brought someone up and promoted them to be a manager, you need to make time with them one-on-one to help train them on how to resolve some of these problems and coach them through it instead of just throwing them to the wolves. And you mentioned expectations earlier in the podcast. I think that comes down to the time of the onboarding. So when you're sitting down with your new manager, you're going to discuss clear expectations. This is what I'm expecting from you. You're a leader of this team now, and these are the expectations that I'm expecting from you to make sure that this team is productive, that you have a cohesive unit, that you build a culture that is safe, and that you build a culture that your employees are able to go home and spend time with their families with a clear mind that they're not sitting at home wondering, oh God, did I do that right? Or, oh, my boss is going to be so mad because I didn't do this correctly. Clear, concise mind that they can spend time with their family at home and enjoy their time. And then they can come back into work refreshed and ready to go for the next day. Yes. I love that about expectations. I'll tell you something we did as a team a little, almost a year ago. We we had come off of a client situation where I had to walk away from a client because there was just, it was just, there wasn't trust there. And the team didn't feel trusted. And they were stressed out because nothing they ever, none of the work they did was good enough. And there was just not really. And so it was a really difficult decision for me, Andrew, because this was a large account for us. And I lost sleep over it for a long time. Should I walk away from this account? This feels toxic. I had talked to the, the client multiple times very directly and said, my team does not feel trusted here. And that was just not respected. So finally came to a head and I was like, we got to walk away. So I walked away from the account and I was just like licking my wounds. Oh my gosh, where do we go from here? And I decided, I was like, you know what? We as a team need to create our own internal success markers. We need to decide as a team this is what, in these four walls, we are going to define a success. And if we're meeting these success markers, it doesn't matter what's happening, what our clients are doing. They, these are our measures of success, right? These are the expectations that we have for ourselves as a company and how we're going to represent this brand to our clients and help them. And I, when I was preparing for this, I could go into the team and I could just say, okay, here's what I think our success markers should be. And... I was like, you know what? I don't want to like, it's decision-making fatigue is a real thing when you own a business, Andrew. And I was like, geez, I don't want to make all these decisions. (laughs) So selfishly, I was like, I am going to, let's create this together. So we had this beautiful meeting. I came into the meeting. I was like, we're coming off of this terrible situation. We had to walk away from this client. And I feel like we as a team need to come together and come up and create these success markers as a team. And so I asked them, I was like, what do you think our markers of success should be? And 
I was blown away. They came up with some of the most beautiful things I would have never come up with on my own. And they all just, everyone had their own suggestions. We want their, we want to have personal enjoyment in the work that we're doing. We want to enjoy and feel proud of the work that we're doing. We want the work to be fun. And so now we have these six success markers that we all came up with as a team that everybody co-created together. They're all invested in it and bought in. And they know the expectations. And there's safety there. There's safety there because this is like part of what we've cultivated. And I think as leaders, the more we can co-create those expectations with the team wherever we can that's just going to continue to foster that empathy Mm -hmm. with each other i love it i absolutely love it what advice would you give a new leader that does not know if they have empathy or if they're a people pleaser oh what advice would i give man andrew you have such good questions (laughs) And I said, oh, if they have empathy or what would I get advice would I give a leader that does not know if they have empathy, if they have a, if they're a people pleaser, I would ask yourself to really pay attention to your intentions. Are you intending to just make someone happy and void conflict for the sake of your feelings, their feelings? Or do you really care about this person and know and understand them? I would say, what do you know about them? Maybe that's something. What do you know about this person? Do you really know them? Have you taken the time to really listen to them, to understand what their pains are, what they're struggling with day to day, what they love, what lights them up? What are they proud of? What's their family situation what's going on in their family? Have you taken the time to really listen to them and have a relationship with them? Do you know them? Do you see them that way? I would say that would be the first thing to ask is what have you done to really listen to your team and know them as a person, as a whole person, not as an employee, not as someone who's been hired to do this job, but do you know them as a whole person? And if you feel, I think we all have work to do there. I don't think that ever ends. No matter where you are in your leadership journey, there's always more work we can do to really truly listen and understand people. So I think if you, as a leader, if you can ask yourself that that question and with humility say, I really want to know and learn and understand more, that in and of that desire that you have to really want to understand and take the time. That to me is a key to showing that you have the potential and that you have empathy already because you want to listen and understand and you want to get better. You know what? I love everything you said there. I don't have anything that to add there. I think you pretty much pinned everything down and great answer. I love it. Great job. Oh, good, man. You, you That was almost a stumper. My gosh. I was worried. <laughs> no, it was that a great answer. I just love the fact that you pay attention to your intentions. I just love that. I love that you're a good leader pays attention to what's going on, what's happening. They have a lot of stuff that is going on throughout the day, but I'd say pay attention, do a quick check-in. How's everything going? What's yeah. in, Do you need any help with anything? I think showing care and compassion. Yeah, sure. absolutely. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, Nicole, what word would it be? Oh, this is really hard. Oh my <laughs> gosh. 
This is really hard. <laughs> I would probably say Champion. Yeah. I would say I loved Champion other people. I want to be their champion. I want to help them find their purpose, find their fulfillment. So I would say probably, I would say champion. I want to be a champion to my team. I want to be a champion to my client. I want to be a champion. That's not right. I want to champion them. How's that? That's, <laughs> That's what I meant. Not that I want to be their champion, but I want to <laughs> champion them. I want to help them grow and all of that. So I love it anyway. So I thought about this word when I was asking you this question, mm -hmm. and I love the word champion for you, but I came up with a word for you that, I, that I thought of you, and the word that I came up with is generous. And the reason oh. why I say you're generous is because you're always willing to give your time. You give so much energy in your kindness, mm -hmm. and you have such a thoughtful nature. So that's why I thought generous would be a word for you. Oh, I love that. Thank you. That is a massive compliment. I appreciate you sharing that. I love it. I want to, one of the things I struggled with this word is that I could come up with the word. I, I just always want to just live as authentically as possible. Yeah. And so thank you. Thank you, Andrew. That's, that's a wonderful word. I love that word. Thank wonderful. you. I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed that. Any final yeah. thoughts today? Oh, findable thought. I, I would just express my gratitude to you for this opportunity. This has been such a wonderful conversation. It's actually challenged me to think more deeply about how I'm showing up for my team and for my clients. And it's made me think and, and challenge myself more to see how I can more intentionally choose empathy versus people pleasing. Because as I mentioned, I'm it's something I've constantly struggled with. So I'm learning and in this journey. Right. So I just thank you for, for inviting me to talk about this because it's really helped me to, to think more deeply about what I can do and what I need to be doing and all of that. So thank you. You're very, very welcome. I wanted to take the time to thank you for joining me. I felt like it was a great conversation as well. I think, Nicole, that you're one of the most humbly thoughtful people I've had the privilege to meet. I just admire your contagious nature and enthusiasm when you meet somebody. I just feel you have this honest, genuine compassion, and you used the word authentic just a second ago, authentic nature that I believe people just find a way to gravitate to or to gravitate to. The moment that I met you, I admired your sense of humor and your <laughs> willingness to be just so positive. So I want to thank you for agreeing to be a guest today and for showing me that you were there to support me right from the beginning. I wanted to say that I appreciate you and admire you greatly. As so you're a woman of integrity and you are a true blessing. Oh, Andrew, thank you so much. That means so much to me. You see me, I feel. <laughs> I thank you for that. I, I see you too. I see so much good in you and it's amazing to see what you're doing with this show and your passion and your purpose here. I think it's do you're doing such great work. So thank you. Keep it up. More people need to hear it. And you don't won't be a stranger because you will definitely be on again, Nicole. So don't move anywhere <laughs> down the road. You'll definitely be back at some point. I can guarantee you that. Oh, I'd be honored. Thanks so much, Andrew. Appreciate you're it. Very, you're very welcome. So on behalf of my, all from my guest today, Nicole, I'd like to thank you all for listening. And until next time, be safe. And remember that if we all work together, 
we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 